0: Listener supported KFUO invite you to listen live to our annual charathon. It's your opportunity to show your support to KFUO. If you can't join us live, please prayerfully consider supporting us by calling 314-996-1518 and asking about our giving levels. You can also click the Give Now button on our webpage. Charathon 2017, April 20th, 21st, and 22nd.
1: As a live faith and family, we join Andy Bates at Merrimack Bluffs Senior Living Community Live.
2: Some of the cool things that they've been doing and you will notice if you're on Facebook Live, we've got some great artwork here, but first I wanna go to June because you are a part of a committee that kind of helps coordinate all the activities that happen here at Merrimack Bluffs. So why don't we jump right in? Tell
3: us a little bit about what you do. Okay, well, thanks for the opportunity. A town hall association was formed many years ago, so people moving in here could make the adjustment to senior living much easier. The activity committee was then formed, and I just happened to be the chairman of the activities committee. Every day here, there is something to do. We have over 100 people involved in wee bowling and shuffleboard. In Bridge, if you like Bridge, it's morning, noon, and night. You can pick your own Bridge group. There's board games, there's dominoes, romacube, pinochle, and if we miss something, if somebody moves in we miss something, we'll form that group so you still can play the games you want to play. And if you like water, there's water aerobics, there's water volleyball. In fact, the water volleyball team is going to be in the Senior Olympics, which we're very proud of that. I happen to be on that team and I love it. Okay, Um, bingo is another game that is enjoyed by everybody. We have outside speakers and music groups that visit our community group several times a month. We have a wonderful woodworking shop so that residents can still work with the tools that they thought they left behind, but they can still work with them now. We also do. We also have a choir. If you like to sing, we have a, a large choir group that just entertains us several times a year here. We do organize several events also. Next week is an Easter egg hunt. Now just picture a thousand eggs rolling around in the chapel in our community room, and little kids running to pick up these eggs. It's really fun and really cute. On April 22nd, we are going to have a quilt show here. We have 100 quilts that will be on exhibit, and it's a West County Quilt Club, piecemeal quilters, that is actually bringing these quilts in. There is never a dull moment here at Merrimack Bluffs. Now, if you remember back, do you remember your kids saying, I have nothing to do. Well, that doesn't happen here. Nobody will say, I have nothing to do. The latest feature, which is entirely run by residents, is the art gallery. And we're very proud of that art gallery. Martha K. Larson has done a great job getting it set up. And I'm gonna let her explain to you what she has done. Thank you. Thank you,
2: June. So, Martha. North Kate, we are surrounded by lots of artwork right now, some of which I know you have helped, um, you've created and done that as well. Tell us a little bit about your art.
4: Well, the idea of the, uh, a safe area to display works of art was begun last year here at Merrimack Bluffs. After searching for a good location and with the support of administration and the lifestyle enra- enrichment staff and committee, our art gallery became a reality. It's located on the second floor uh, elevator lobby and also the enclosed upper glass portion of the China cabinet where smaller items are displayed. Our first exhibit in February was a collection of prints of Ed Smith's original paintings. Ed is a 96-year-old resident here and the uh, picture print behind me is of Ed and his cat, Annie, who also lives with him here at Merrimack Bluffs. And the next large print is that of uh, a young man, a friend of of, uh, Ed's, and Ralph has a wonderful smile, and um, it's just a wonderful uh, portrait.
2: I know when you brought all these in this morning, I was so impressed. There, I mean, these are beautiful images. And just to have a collection of artists all together, I mean, that's such a great community, kind of within a community that you all have here. That's
4: wonderful. And the, the third print is um, of a stagecoach that uh, belonged to Adolphus uh, uh, Bush, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and uh, with a hitch of horses, and this is long before the Clydesdales came into use. No one seems to know where the original uh, painting is. Joe Finney is a fine, self-taught woodcarver starting as a youngster carving peach pits. He's in his 90s also, and his Seafaring Captain uh, sculpture here was inspired by a great-grandfather who was also a seafaring man. And also featured is his lovely turtle dove. And Liz Prang is, uh, our porcelain artist, and she will tell you some of her Oh, words.
2: wonderful! There is a lot of talent here. I know, so much talent, Andy. And that's one of the reasons why I know I love coming to visit, and other people do as well, is because the art is always changing, and it's always great to see what's new. So, Liz, I know that you have a specialty as well. You were sharing a little bit about that with me earlier. Tell us about porcelain painting here at Merrimack Bluffs.
5: Well, porcelain painting is an old art, but it actually is almost a dying art now. Not many people do the porcelain painting anymore. You may have pieces at home that were your grandmother's, like tea sets and, and different things like that. But um, the porcelain art has come a long way, and we've um, gotten more modernized, I guess is what you'd say. And um, I have a couple of pieces here that I'm displaying. Uh, The first one of the uh, grapes is a traditional American China painting porcelain art. Um, This is all fire kiln. And uh, then the second painting is done on a porcelain tile. And as you can see, it looks just like any other painting you would have in your home that's framed. So things can be framed also, so.
2: So what I love is that you ladies here have wonderful passions, have such great talent, and not only do you have space here at Merrimack Bluffs, but the support of our lifestyle enrichment team, of a fantastic committee as well, so that we can continue you know, to display and do the things that we're passionate
1: about.
4: And marie I'd like to add one thing. Please. please. Um, Merrimack Bluffs is blessed not only with the talents of our first three exhibitors, but there are many more to come. And the exhibits are changed monthly, and we invite friends and guests to come and enjoy the art gallery at Merrimack Bluffs. Um, Thank you. I
6: noticed on my way in this morning, just uh, just making my way up here to the dining room, there was a lot of art along the way as well. It was very... Very warm and, and inviting.
2: Oh, I definitely believe so as well. You like I said, you ladies are so talented. Everyone here at Merrimack Bluffs is really talented and we're always surprised by that. So we have a bunch of art pieces here. For those who are joining us on Facebook Live, you can go and see some of the art pieces um, that these ladies have been talking about here. But thank you so much. We so appreciate the work that you do as a part of the committee to make sure that there is is a lot of opportunity for people and as well as the art that you contribute to make Merrimack Bluff such a beautiful place. So thank you, ladies, very much. We're going to give them a round of I know, and we have, like, the room is packed, so we actually are hosting our segment up here on the sixth floor. Merrimack Box is actually a very tall building, and we've got these stunning views um, that go out into the valley over here on our left, and, and now I think, Auntie, we're actually going to have some stunning views inside <laughs> as uh, we transition to see what executive chef, Chris has over here for us
6: today. He is all set up. Uh, I in, am. In, uh, Most in, he's, he's got his table. Well, he's moved his kitchen out here to the dining room. <laughs> <laughs> How's everyone doing
7: today? Okay. Fantastic. So, uh, what we're going to be doing today is I'm going to make you a traditional uh, Viennese strudel. Okay. And basically, uh, what we're doing is we're going to take a dough that I've made. It's just uh, basically flour, water, and oil. And um, we kind of knead it for about eight to 10 minutes. I didn't want to do it on air because you know, probably don't want to watch me knead dough for 10 minutes straight. So uh, <laughs> I already pre-made that dough. And what I'm gonna do is I'm actually gonna roll it out into a very thin layer. And that's kind of how you make a Viennese strudel. It's almost like, has anybody ever had phyllo dough before? Yes. Okay, it's very similar to that. So what we'll be doing is rolling this dough out. And then what I also have is some apples and I already pre-made these as well. And when
2: you say you have some apples, you actually have a lot of apples
7: over there. Well, I, I didn't want to run out on air. <laughs> if I had to run for the apples, it would be kind of embarrassing. How
6: did you prepare the apples?
7: All we did with these apples, basically, we peeled them, uh, cored them, and then we tossed them with a little bit of cinnamon, um, a little bit of sugar, not a lot, and then just a little bit of cornstarch just to kind of thicken the liquid from them. And we actually uh, roasted them in an oven on a pan. So, I know a lot of people probably cook them in a pot or something like that, but we kind of did a little differently with this. So, um. What's go ahead.
6: Your, I have to ask
7: you. Yeah. What kind of apple do you use? These are Macintosh apples. <laughs> you want, to, you know, you want to choose something that's not going to leach out a lot of water. Like a sweeter apple has a lot of water content. Get a real runny strudel. Don't want that. It's thin dough. so.
2: Runny strudel with me just All right.
7: And um, I promised I'm going to try to knock this out in 10 minutes. We'll see if I uh, can actually do that and they're gonna pass some around while I'm making it as well.
2: So yes, you are part of our studio audience. They actually get to taste what Executive Chef Chris is making right now. And, and yeah, I gotta make sure they, they bring some up here as well.
6: Absolutely. Because I know
2: that we also love it.
6: Absolutely. Taste. What, what makes a Viennese apple strudel?
7: Well, traditionally, this apple strudel recipe, they actually, it goes all the way back to the, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Habsburg dynasty. Uh, in Vienna, but um, it was a dessert that was uh, made for the royal court, and uh, that's kind of how they developed this recipe. And it goes dates back all the way to I want to say like 1680, something like that. So it's a that's a very old dessert, and um, it was made for royalty. And um, was, I'm sure it was a great treat back then if um, you could get some well, fresh apple you strudel. All who are
2: tasting this, you, I think, are royalty for having tasted apple strudel.
7: I see lots of smiles in
8: that
7: So what I'm doing is um, I really just roll that dough out first with a rolling pin just to kind of get started before I stretch it by hand, all right? It just kind of helps out a lot. If you try to start by hand, you're probably going to tear the dough. So get it nice and flat. I'm actually going to take the gloves off. It's kind of hard to do with gloves, so don't worry. We'll cook it. You won't get any of my germs, I promise. So what I'm going to do is I'm just kind of start going in there I'm going to start stretching it with my hands. All right. And the goal is to get it to where you can almost see through it with your hands, kind of like that. So this is definitely the most uh, time-consuming process. Um, After you get the dough stretched, it's pretty easy from there. So what we'll do is stretch it out. And as you see, I have that tablecloth down, and I put a pretty generous amount of flour on it. Obviously, that's so the dough doesn't stick to it because you are pulling the dough something. So, well, I'll do and I'll probably get flour on the floor. I'm sorry. We I have, think we
2: will forgive you we have, because <laughs> you did give us food.
7: We have vacuums. I might knock that over too. So, so you stretching
2: it really thin, how do you know how thin to stretch it?
7: Uh, like I said earlier, you almost want to, they say, um, if you could read a... Uh, piece of paper through the back of it with writing on it, then it's probably
6: thin enough, okay? I'm so, impressed, I would've had a huge mess by now. Yes, it's almost covering the entire table. <laughs> so, see my hand right there?
7: Mm-hmm.
6: So you can almost see
7: my hand underneath that dough, so it gets pretty thin. And I'll keep pulling it out a little bit more before we put our apples in. And what's nice is the more you pull it to, the more layers you're gonna get when you actually roll it up. So that's, you know, another reason you want kind of big. And what you do is you kind of take that thicker edge. I know my back's to everybody, sorry. but um, And you kind of hang that over the edge. And we'll actually cut that off with a pair of scissors because you don't want that big, thick piece of dough. Over there. So, I'll go around this without knocking it over. Get back to this side. So rest.
2: I'm very impressed. Well, knowing how the dough started and just moving That's along, it's a lot of stretching, but- It is. I think you're right, and when you get that thinness, then you get mm, all those great layers, and it is so yummy.
7: Well, and like I was saying before, it's kind of like phyllo dough, you know, when you're making, um, I know the Greeks make a baklava. Has anybody ever had baklava before? Mm-hmm. Kind of a similar concept. And they take it, and they put a lot of butter on it, and they layer it, all right? Mm-hmm. So we're almost there.
2: And I am seeing lots of smiles out
8: in the audience. Is it good? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah,
2: okay. yeah, I think it's delicious here. In fact, I think they accidentally put a few extras up here. I'm just gonna try uh. this one
7: for consistency. <laughs> don't tell me that.
2: Yeah, to make sure that Quality you know, control. Exactly, I'm doing you all a favor. <laughs>
6: <laughs> what's the, what's the, uh, the most requested dessert here at Merrimack Bluffs?
8: I don't
7: know, oh, to be honest with you, we have a lot of favorite desserts here. Um, I know uh, for some reason chocolate mint pie is pretty popular here. Uh, the eclairs, I think, always sell out.
9: Ooh.
7: It seems any night that we have eclairs, they're they're, they're, gone, they're, they're gone pretty quick.
2: Well, that variety, because I know you guys do so many different recipes that are both seasonally, you know, with the seasonal variety <laughs> and also nutritious as well. I know that you have a bunch of fans.
7: Well, we try to make them nutritious, not all the time, though.
6: Well,
7: I know, good, I, it, it said heart healthy, but this is heart happy, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it's a little different. All right, so you can see where I'm at right now. That's a good response. This dough, yeah, I thought of that earlier, I had to say something, <laughs> because I saw it said heart healthy, I'm like, this isn't really healthy, so. I better save myself. Um, so, yeah, so you can see this dough, is getting the air under it, so that's right about where you want it. All right, so it's about that thin. okay? Now, for time's sake, because you usually want to rush a huge layer of butter on this. that take me 10 minutes. I don't have that kind of time. So we're going to pretend there's butter on that. Is everybody okay with that?
1: Yes.
7: And that would be heart-healthy, right? So, <laughs> Because normally, I probably put about two pounds of butter on
9: this thing. Oh, yeah. that's
2: a lot of good butter. That's oh, all
7: It tastes good.
2: Oh, man. And the reason so, yeah. you
7: put... Oh, I got a hole. Don't do that. This is what you don't want to do right there. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. We can't. The uh, reason you brush the butter on it is uh, it serves a couple purposes. It actually keeps the dough from drying out because it's so thin. And if you don't put it on there, it will dry real quick and crack. But then also, when you're rolling the strudel, it's creating little layers of butter in between the dough and the pastry. And what happens is when it cooks, it releases steam and it puffs it up a little bit and that's why it gives it that nice crispiness,
6: so it's pretty cool. Now when you say two <laughs> pounds of butter, that's not just in one serving. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I would be okay with that. <laughs> well,
5: butter I- makes
2: things better. Absolutely. <laughs> yes.
7: I mean, if you spread this out, this is probably gonna make 60 servings, so, you know. Or so. in my case, four. Four, so, yeah. yeah <laughs> divide, divide the two pounds of butter by 60, and you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not that bad for you, right? So, uh, we're gonna pretend the butter's down once again, okay? And we're gonna put a layer of cinnamon sugar down. Obviously, Mm. who doesn't like that, right?
2: We're hearing a lot of audience reaction here.
7: (laughs) (laughs) So, and you just kinda wanna put it evenly over the whole layer. And one of my favorite parts of the strew, believe it or not, is the end because then you kind of get the extra dough on there and it's got all that sugar in there. It's nice and crunchy. Mm. Very very good. Very tasty.
2: So we sprinkle that on a nice even layer. Nice even layer. I remember when I was growing up, one of my favorite things was also when my mom would bake a pie. You know, there's always that little bit of leftover. She would roll it out for us. It would be like this mini cookie and she would put that cinnamon sugar on it and that would be like, our pre-dessert, I guess, before the dessert, <laughs> but that was really yummy.
6: There's something about the smell of cinnamon and sugar baking, maybe a little bit. and it wake you up, right? Uh, that makes you up, sure. gets your attention.
2: I mean, this is this is good food that you know we've grown up with, and, and I, for me, it has fond memories attached sure. to it. And I think that's one of the great things about food is it, it reminds you of, of past experiences and great people in your life who made it.
7: It's one of the best smells in the world, right?
2: Mm-hmm,
7: definitely. it awake wake the dead. So um, <laughs> what I'm gonna do now, and this is actually, believe it or not, traditional too, is you actually put a little bit of breadcrumb down. And this kind of serves a couple purposes as well. Um, number one, you know, it gets a little extra crunch to it, but the other thing is when the apples release their juices, it kind of acts as a cushion, and it keeps that pastry from getting overly wet. So um,
2: That is a great secret. I had no idea.
7: Well, what's funny, too, is I wasn't sure if that was actually part of the traditional recipe, and believe it or not, it is. Wow. And I was kind of surprised. I just thought it was something that, you know, I actually learned this from a pastry chef I worked with. Um, I worked at a Belle Reef Country Club for about 10 years, and uh, he's the one who taught me how to make this, and he had trained with a chef from Austria. And uh, the Austrian chef showed him to put the breadcrumb on there, so wow, go figure, you know. I just thought it was something. The secret ingredient.
2: The secret ingredient is breadcrumbs. I would not. <laughs> Absolutely.
7: <laughs> I'm not saying you're probably going to taste much in the breadcrumbs, but unless <laughs> you, they're going to they're gonna soak up with that apple juice, though. I'll unless try not to, to get to apple juice all over your mic. Yeah. So we've got that big bowl of apples that you said earlier you had
2: tossed. And
7: sugar? sugar, cinnamon, and then just, like I said, a little bit of cornstarch just to kind of soak up some of the excess water mm-hmm. that's released. And then you baked it. I actually baked them, yes, on a uh, sheet pan. And I baked them probably about 10 to 12 minutes, not long, you know, just enough to uh, kind of thicken the juice from the apple and get the juice, juice released. Awesome. So I'm piling the apples all the way down.
2: So you're gonna bake this one too, right? And then you'll need testers as well. Oh, well, absolutely! <laughs>
1: time? So we'll come
2: back
4: and...
7: I, I, did, I did plan on throwing it in the trash, Amber.
4: So.
7: No, we'll definitely cook this one off. Uh, this will be the low-fat version because it doesn't have butter in it, right? Let's see? It's fine.
6: It's
7: the heart-healthy strudel. I'll
6: still eat it. <laughs> and those apples
7: are still very juicy. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of juice. And like I said, that juice will soak right into that breadcrumb, and it keeps the uh, pastry crisp. So, you know, it's a good thing. All right, so we have our apples down there. Now you kind of figure out why we have the tablecloth, okay? So what you do is you pick that tablecloth up. Don't pick the other one up. Try not to. Um, then what we're going to do is just fold that first fold. All right. We just kind of run our hands down on it. We keep so, it crisp.
9: For those of you who
2: are listening, I mean he's got a huge piece of pastry.
7: It's
6: like this is a big this is about four feet long. Four feet long. Four, five four,
7: feet. four or
5: three and something. By like that. himself. So
7: Chuck then, no, oh, there we oh, go. Right. Basically what you do is you kinda of keep pulling it towards yourself. Roll it again. Wow. Alright.
2: So once he rolls it, he kind of like evens it
7: all out. Yeah, you just kind of tighten it up a little bit, just so the rolls stay tight.
2: Okay. Wow. And so
7: basically I just keep on doing that. And then we
2: roll until one we're one. done.
7: Then the fun part is actually getting it off the table. Something <laughs> tells
6: me by this point time i might have apples. In it. I know
7: apples
2: I everywhere. everywhere. So I mean, this is a huge apple strudel. How do you?
6: How do you get it off the table?
2: Yeah.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Into the oven. <laughs> <laughs> you cut it. <laughs>
5: that would be
7: what, what I usually do is I take a, a sheet pan and I'll cut it usually in about three or four pieces. Okay. And then, uh, I mean, it's fine if the apples are exposed on the ends. It doesn't make too big of a difference. It's not like a pie, they're not going to run out on you. So. Well,
2: and like you
7: said, the ends are sometimes the best part. Absolutely. Oh. We're almost there. I'm running out of tabletop, too. <laughs> so, probably one last fold will be good. On <clears> the
8: front, fold. On oh. the, yeah.
7: <laughs> I on the and I got your tablecloth all dirty, That's okay. um, I apologize.
2: That looks wonderful, and like I heard earlier, I'm sure it
7: tasted wonderful too, everyone, yes? I uh. was it? All right. It's Austrian apple strudel, and then what you're going to do at the end of that, like I said, we usually cut it in three pieces and then we take it and transfer it to a sheet pan. And you want to brush the top with butter as well.
1: Oh, crazy. (laughs) And if you want
7: to get real crazy, you can put some cinnamon sugar on there after you brush it with butter too.
6: All
7: right?
2: Oh well, thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. Thank
10: you. would this that was be, fun.
2: Would this be something that maybe our listening audience, our Facebook audience, would you perhaps be open to sharing the recipe? The
7: recipe, I suppose I could.
2: <gasps> oh, you are so <laughs> wonderful. So for those of you who are listening, we'll put this up both on the Merrimack Bluffs Facebook page as well as the Lutheran Senior Services Facebook page. So if you want to make this this weekend, you can try your hand at Australian apple strudel. And
6: if you make it's Austrian.
2: Austrian. <laughs> Oscar.
6: Australian. Let us give, give, give it a try. Viennese.
2: Viennese. Right. There we go. Now,
6: if you do make it with the uh, 60 portions, by all means call us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We are the quality tasters. Thank
2: you,
7: thank You're you. You're welcome. Thank you, everyone. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm sorry about your tablecloth. We're probably going to get to wash down.
2: Okay, for the apple strudel. We're going to
7: try to get this thing out of your way so you can reset. So, <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone. I thank, appreciate
3: it. You. thank you.
5: great yeah. awesome. awesome. Bring good. back
2: some really fond memories. Definitely. Is everyone coming for lunch here this afternoon? <laughs>
1: yes. yes.
2: Well, thank well, I think we're going to go to a break. We're going
6: to take a quick break, yes. For our radio audience. But if
2: you're on Facebook, we're going to keep going with some questions, and Andy's going to answer
6: them. Absolutely. When we come back, what do we have to look forward to?
2: We actually have some wonderful ladies who are going to be talking about yeah. more about living life to the fullest here at Merrimack Plus. We're very excited to hear them next.
6: All right. Well, you're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, as well, for supporting Faith and Family. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes on the messenger of good news. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, President of Life Issues Institute.
8: The numbers of sexually transmitted diseases are increasing at an alarming rate. During the last year, statistics were available, the Centers for Disease Control reported nearly two million new cases. Of concern is not just the increase, but the high rate of increase. Still, the so-called experts in this field are turning a blind eye to the cause, which is sex outside of marriage. Here's a case in point. There are now phone apps making impersonal, intimate hookups easy. They often don't even bother to share first names. Yet Dr. Jonathan Merman at the CDC says, there's no hard evidence to show cause and effect that this blatant promotion of casual sex increases STDs. This is utter foolishness. America's youth aren't animals. We need to encourage them to abstain from premarital sex.
0: Follow
6: us on Twitter at Life Issues USA and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Popularly known as a Christmas tradition telling the Nativity of the Messiah, George Friedrich Handel's famous oratorio, Messiah, proclaims the full narrative and good news of Jesus' Nativity, life, death and resurrection to rescue us from our sin. Join us for a broadcast of this beloved sacred classic, Easter Sunday, 1 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO.
9: My son Aidan has asthma. Secondhand smoke has triggered his asthma so badly He ended up in the emergency room and spent multiple nights in intensive care. Now he's on a whole bunch of medications. My tip to you is don't be shy about telling people not to smoke around your kids.
6: Half of U.S. kids are exposed to secondhand smoke. If you or someone you know wants help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC.
2: Want to be actively engaged in meaningful service? and put your time and talents into action? Volunteer Connection engages, equips, and empowers individuals to serve the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and its national and international ministries at the International Center. Come join us, as together we make known the love of Christ. To learn more about Volunteer Connection, please call 314-996-1629.
7: Hi, we're Jonathan,
4: Matthew, and Nathaniel Clayton.
7: We listen
1: to KFO every chance we get.
4: One of the shows we like is Thy Strong Word,
2: hosted by Pastor Whedon.
1: One thing I love about Thy Strong Word is how they are able to tie in what great church fathers have said about the passages.
2: I like that Thy Strong Word gets through a whole chapter of the Bible each day and shows the things you never even knew were there. What I like about Thy Strong Word is that Pastor Wheaton the host is fun and always energetic as he studies the text.
8: We would encourage you to listen to KFUO every chance you get, just Just like like we. we do. God's Word is our great heritage and shall be ours forever. I'm William Whedon, LCMS Director of Worship. We romp through the sacred scriptures
0: rejoicing in the salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ. Thy Strong Word, weekday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO, underwritten by Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit them on the web at lhfmissions.org.
1: Joining Andy Bates and Anne Marie live from Merrimack Bluffs Living Community on KFUW. So. Getting... One more here question. We... Oh,
6: actually, here we go. AM eight fifty, and it's, uh, it reaches as far as Springfield, Illinois, and out to Central Missouri, down to Southeast Missouri as well. All right, we're back on Faith and Family here on Worldwide KFUO. We're broadcasting live from Merrimack Bluffs, Lutheran Senior Services Senior Living Community in Baldwin, Missouri, and had a fantastic time with uh, Executive Chef Chris, who a uh, Viennese apple strudel for us.
2: It was delicious. Now time
6: to learn more about life here at Merrimack Bluffs.
2: You are right, Andy. So we have some wonderful current residents with us from right here at Merrimack Bluffs. And I know we get questions all the time. Like, what is it really like? And what do you do every day? And, and why did you choose living at Merrimack Bluffs? So we thought, that we would give you all who are listening and watching the opportunity to kind of hear it straight from the horse's mouth. And so we've got two of our residents here. We've got Marian Lewis and Betty Beeble. So ladies, thank you so much for joining us today.
10: Thank you for the opportunity.
2: Wonderful. So like I said, we get questions all the time about Merrimack Bluffs. And so I'd love to hear from you. Why did you choose to come and live here out in Baldwin, Missouri?
10: I've known for a long time that I wanted to live in a senior living community because I had the example of my parents and also my mother-in-law and they just thrived in this kind of, a, of an environment. Um, but then it had to narrow it down to Merrimack Bluffs and I wanted something that had a full continuum of care so that as my health declined and I grew older that my children wouldn't have to skirt around and find some other place in, in which I should live. Um, Also, uh, Merrimack Buff, Lutheran Senior Services, I think has a really good reputation for the care and the services that they give to seniors um, in general. And then also an added plus, it was really close to where my son and daughter-in-law and family live. (laughs) Well, that is
2: so lovely to hear. Man, we should put you on the radio and you can just run this show because you have such wonderful things to say, all of which are true. Um, Do you have anything
9: to add as well? Well, uh, my experience was a little different than Marion's because um, actually, my husband is actually in the care center now, and uh, because there's a difference in our age, and he had been wanting to do this because we have a large family and they're centered all over the United States, and we wanted something that was more Midwestern, um, so it's more easy for, to get to. And but because we actually had a home in Florida and a home here, so it was like back and forth, six months and six months. And so years ago, I asked the kids, where do, would you like to spend Christmas? Well, Mom, that's an no-brainer. But as they got older and had their own families and grandchildren, mm-hmm. um, that kind of changed. And so my husband said, well, we need to start looking for a place that we can retire in. And of course, I wasn't ready when he was. And so, in, um, I guess it was about five years No, we've been here almost, August 6th, it'll be five years. But we came in together as a couple, and we had um, none of Lutheran Senior Services, but my mother had been in a different community for 15 years. She went in at 80 and lived to be 95. And you know, when you live in a place like this, I think you live longer because you eat good, and you have a you know it's just you're not uh, isolated i mean you can be if you want to but not if you're a people person like me i wouldn't survive too well in that and so um anyway uh, we did look at several over actually more than several but we narrowed it down to this for a lot of reasons and one and my husband loved you know some people eat to live and some people love he he, loved, he eats the he lives to eat, and he loves food, and of all the places that we went, overall, this was by far the best food. I think you and
2: your husband, and,
9: and but I also would be very say And the care center, um, oh, I don't know, three months ago or something, I was having lunch with my husband, and the hospice nurse was there, and uh, she says, Oh my gosh spaghetti squash this was for lunch she says i've been in a lot of retirement communities i've never seen spaghetti squash on the menu and it is very healthy for you and what i love about the food here is we have such a variety a big large variety and and very the food is excellent i can't and i want to thank chris and mark back there and the food service we have great employees here wonderful, wonderful employees, hardworking, great staff, hardworking employees, and wonderful, wonderful volunteers that make it very pleasant place to live. Oh, isn't that wonderful here?
6: It is, it is, and I know that, that, that it's not just that, that, the dining experience isn't just driven by the, the, the staff here at LSS, but the, the residents also have a voice in that as well. There's a food committee here, correct?
9: Correct. 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 And comments are always welcome, and they do their very best to uh, go through the compliments that people give. We actually had—I wanted to talk about the last party we had was for um, St. Pat's Day. Oh, everything was superb. I mean, there couldn't have been anything wrong with anything. It was—it was very, very enjoyable, it was oh. an enjoyable evening. And the very first Christmas here. Oh my God. The Christmas party we had and the Christmas dinner I thought I thought we had I had gone to a five star restaurant. They had the, the gym or the, the chapel decorated. The food was so awesome I thought and the decor chandeliers like on the table, Oh my gosh, it was so awesome. I thought I was in a five star restaurant. And food was they do a great job in keeping people um, well taken care of, and I will say we're kind of spoiled. Another <laughs> thing I wanted to suggest, or bring up, is the different places that we had visited was far, the square footage you got was much more larger than most communities.
2: Well, those are such wonderful things to hear. I think for sure we're going to stay for lunch, right?
9: <laughs>
2: I'm all for it. I'm, I'm for it. all for, for more food for Merrimack Bluffs. Ladies, what you have to say is some, you know, you're answering a lot of the questions that we we get all the time. So if you were to be speaking to, let's say you're speaking to the, the radio audience right now, and maybe some people are a little hesitant, what would you say to them, you know, to tell them about the benefits of Merrimack Bluffs?
10: I think some people might be hesitant because they think that they would lose their independence. And I think that this is really just the opposite. Um, Once you close the door to the hall on your apartment, um, you are in your own home and you have the privacy that I ever had in my own home. But as Betty alluded to, people live longer in this kind of an environment. Um, I'm seeing friends who are getting virtually isolated in their own homes because their health is not what it used to be. They're no longer able to drive. And their only contact with other people is an occasional visit from a child or to take them to the grocery store or to bring their groceries in. Otherwise, they don't have that um, therapeutic, um, inspirational uh, chance to visit with other people and interact with them. And the variety of the activities, as as, the, as June Schroeder, Schroeder mentioned, um, is just vast that you can you can find things. They really go all out to meet individual desires and needs.
6: What is what's your favorite place to to visit here on site at Merrimack Bluffs, or to spend time?
10: It's um, <laughs> a hard question. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, well, it's not so much a place. I guess it's the activities. I enjoy the chorus very much. I enjoy the line dancing. The fitness room I know is good for me and it offers very much, and when it's in your own house, so to speak, you lose a lot of excuses. Um, the car games give you good interaction with other people.
9: I wanted to mention also was the fact that we have lots of Bible studies here. We have women's, men's, code, different groups, something for everyone, and that's the special part that I enjoy Besides the exercise, like Marion says, we have all those things that she had mentioned. But um, also, I want to say I don't know if people know this or not, but the average age here is 86. And we have one lady that's going to be 110 in July. July, yeah. In July. And we actually have quite a few, well, several hundred and above. And so um, these are all pluses for um, Merrimack Gloves and it is a wonderful and what i like too is we're out kind of like being a farm girl i like space (laughs) and coming here we have room around us it's not like we're cluttered in and so that was another reason that i was comfortable here what you're saying
2: people are living longer and we have several people who turn 100 almost every week and you're right that is such a great benefit to being at a life plan community where there's multiple options available ladies thank you so much we yeah. so appreciate one more
9: minute i think what people they think oh i can't move there i'm i'm not old enough i'm you know that's you know what are you gonna when we first moved here my kid says the, the younger one said, the older one, what are they going to do there? And She says, well, uh, Paul, it's going to be like uh, they're on a cruise, except we they don't have the water. But anyway, uh, I, we are very spoiled, but I think the biggest mistake that people make is they wait too long. My husband and I came in here. It was just God's perfect timing for us to be here when we came, and it was a God thing. Oh, wonderful. Thank Thank you, thank you for sharing your guys' story. I think it's so
2: important to hear that straight from you as to as to the benefits of Merrimack Bluffs and how it worked out really well. We're so glad your residents here. Thank you, thank you. More More resident stories. So I want to introduce you, Andy, and everyone who's listening to two very important residents here at Merrimack Bluffs. Um, and because they do a lot with our veterans committee here. We have a very large veterans committee, a very active um, group here. And so we've got Larry Camber, who I believe you're the president chairman. Well,
8: I was chairman for two years, not chairman this.
2: Oh, we have we have stepped down the reins and passed it yeah. on to next. Another- Dick
8: Icefeld's the chairman of the Committee. Now. Wonderful. Yes.
2: Well, we're still very excited to have you here to talk a little bit about the veterans group that um, is here at Merrimack Bluffs, as well as some of the things you do. So kick us off and, and tell us, Larry, how did this veterans group get started?
8: Thanks, Anna Marie. Well, the veterans committee was started back in 2010 by several of the veterans that like to get together, and I guess the cliché is they like to tell war stories. Uh, So they got together with an opportunity just to visit with each other, and from that it kind of went to a speaker series where they invited people to come in and to talk about experiences that they had in the military. Uh, From there it uh, really just kind of progressed into a full-blown veterans committee. We ended up uh, having one of the uh, meeting rooms down on the third floor was dedicated to uh, the veterans. And in our meeting room, we have a lot of military memorabilia, Uh, everything from uh, charts of campaign charts to pictures of veterans, uh, flags, and we have uh, a whole display of military uh, medals that have been won by residents here uh, in uh, in the bluffs. A couple of really exciting ones, I think, if you look at the the medals down there, one of them is a uh, Distinguished Flying Cross. If any of you are familiar with the uh, military awards, the Distinguished Flying Cross is pretty much the highest award that can be given to a a pilot for heroism that he uh, had done during the time of his flying. This particular gentleman uh, served in the, the Vietnam War. Uh, The Veterans Committee sponsors uh, three major events during the uh, course of the year. Uh, We have a speaker series. Uh, Just recently we had uh, Rocky Sickman, who was one of the Marines that was uh, captured in the Iranian uh, fiasco in the mid-70s, was held prisoner for over 400 days, and he came and uh, talked about his experience uh, in Iran during that prison time. Last year we had a young lady that came and talked, uh, when she was six years old uh, her, she and her family lived in Hawaiian Islands and her home was right over the flight path of when the Japanese came in and bombed Pearl Harbor and so as a six year old girl she talked about her experience Uh, during the Pearl Harbor invasion by the Japanese. Very interesting just a really really interesting person. So that's kind of a speaker series. We also have a veterans fair. Uh, Our veterans fair this year is, I'm going to hold this up, July the 18th. Uh, It is open to not only residents but also to all veterans throughout the the community. Uh, The veterans fair We have 22 veteran organizations coming to talk to people who might like to get information uh, in regards to veteran benefits.
2: And Uh, what's great about that, Larry, is it used to be in the past that, like, you'd have to go to one place, and then you'd have to go to another place, and you as a committee have brought everyone together all in one spot to make it very easy.
8: Yeah, that's correct, and Marie. The the whole idea was like one-stop shopping. You know, you could go and not only get uh, milk and eggs, but you can get bread and shoyle. Well, here we have 22 different veterans organizations that uh, will come. One of them is the uh, Department of Veterans Foreign Affairs, and they actually bring in a a big uh, mobile home with all the information that veterans can get from uh, that particular department. Very, very nice in order to uh, have that type of information available and our Veterans Fair is open to the public, so you don't have to be a resident, you don't have to be a friend, just come. It's on the uh, Tuesday, July 18th. And last but not least, our Veterans uh, Organization celebrates Veterans Day in November, and we always have a big celebration in November. Uh, we've had uh, choirs come and sing, we've had speakers come. Uh, two years ago, the. Uh, St. Louis County Police brought a helicopter and landed it right here in our backyard which was kind of exciting for everybody to uh, to come and visit with the, the pilots and And then last year we had uh, a group of men that came from the uh, 620th Combat Sustainment Support Battalion from North St. Louis and they brought in some heavy equipment and we had a chance to to visit with some of the soldiers and, and uh, Find out what they did and some of their experience. So, I we do a lot of for things.
2: Both of those, and you throw an excellent veterans program. And I just think it's always heartfelt and very touching to honor those who have done so much for our country, so much for, for each of us. And so, it is a wonderful day. And I just, thank you, Larry, for, for what your committee does on behalf of that.
8: Thank you. i to pass the mic
6: over to Doug there.
2: So one of the things um, that the Veterans Committee here at Merrimack Bluffs also does, um, you heard Larry talk about the fact that that they talk about stories and their experiences, well they're actually writing them down now um, so that they have a record of of all the men and women who have served and who are here at Merrimack Bluffs. And so Doug, I think you're going to be reading something today that you've compiled as well about one of our former residents.
1: Right. There are, uh, of the 550 residents here, there are at least 100 veterans. And uh, their stories are remarkable. They touch your heart. we don't want them to end with them. We want to have them a permanent record of these stories. And we've started to dig in, especially for the World War II vets. And I'm gonna read you one of their stories today. It's short and a little surprising. It's the story of Bob Strain. Bob Strain was the husband of Alvira Strain who lives here. They lived here from 2010 to 2015 when Bob passed away. Alvira still lives here. She's active. She's going to move to another apartment shortly. So she uh, is very much committed to this community. Now, Bob was one of the many who grew up, came of age at the peak of the depression. He may not have known his potential, but he knew he couldn't afford to go to college, and so he enrolled in a trade school. Got out of that and was drafted and served in World War II, and when he did, he realized, I want to be more than a technician. He wanted to be an electrical engineer, and he set out to do that and he had uh, couldn't transfer any of his credits, but he worked like uh, crazy to do so, became an electrical engineer from the, our school in Rolla, Missouri School of Mines then, and became the director of R&D at Emerson, vice president of two other companies. But when he took freshman English, he had to write an essay, and that's what I'm going to read for you today. These are his words. The title is Connie. Connie wasn't exactly beautiful, but I loved her very much. She was the only love in my life for almost six months. I can't say for sure that she loved me, but I will always hope that she did. Anyway, she seemed to enjoy life more when I was around. After she ate, she was always ready for a run around town or a flying trip through the fields. I shall never forget the day I met her. The weather was bad. Le Havre was covered with a low hanging mist that was just short of dense fog. Snow had fallen the day before and it was cold, bitter cold. The outlook for France at that time was poor. The French were ill-fed, ill-housed, and anxiously waiting the steady advance of the Germans through the December snow of Belgium. It was then that I saw Connie for the first time. She was standing on a pier, looking out over the channel, snow, and her weather-beaten coat made her look much older than she really was. I guess I fell in love with her then and there because I knew she was mine to care for. From then on, we weren't married by a priest or even a judge. Our union was strictly spiritual. Connie was wonderful. She never talked back to me, (laughs) but she was always around and always ready to accept a caress or whatever show of affection I would give her. Connie wasn't exactly graceful, feminine, but she had a big heart, as big as a house. Some people would say that she didn't have a soul, but I'll never believe that because the throb of her heart was a song in my ear. When Connie was happy and contented, I was happy and contented. A few days after Connie and I met, I was ordered to the front lines. I took her with me on the train we occupied a flat car along with the other four men of my combat team. When Connie was killed, it almost broke my heart. A German 88 found its mark directly in her face. The shell shook me also, but I was not hurt. When I looked at her and realized that she would never again accompany me on a mission, I felt hollow and empty inside. A bond of love and devotion was broken and I found myself missing Connie already. We didn't bury Connie because it would have been rather difficult. You see, Connie weighed 33 tons. Her coat was olive drab paint. Her heart was a 500-horsepower engine. And her voice was the roar of a 76-millimeter cannon. Connie was a General Sherman medium tank. (laughs) Oh,
2: thank you, thank you
6: well that is we have here on faith and family i know we've got more on facebook live as well for the next few minutes but uh, thanks so much to our live audience here at merrimack bluffs today and and uh, for being a part of our program here on faith and family on worldwide kfuo